0: we glad that you guys are here. You guys are uh, got all your stuff together. Why don't you come on down and take a seat at one of our lovely seats. It is chilly today and it's kind of nice. So the sun will come up and then it will all be really, really hot because that's what California is like. Um, <laughs> our temperature is defined by the sun, not by, uh, not by the weather forecast, but that's, there's a metaphor in there somewhere. But we're glad that you guys are here. If you guys are looking for speaker notes and stuff like that, you can find them over there at the Connection Resource Table or on your little smartphones there, or however big they are these days, at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. So go ahead and you go ahead and pull that up if you want to. Uh, you can find our lyric sheets, our lyric notes up here, as well as well as our lyric sheets. Um, but either way, we're super glad that you guys are here. Would you join with us and stand as we begin to sing uh, sing some Christmas carols and some some worship carols. See Joy to the world.
1: Joy to the world on a night like no other, Emmanuel. God is with us, beggars and kings, let us come. He is good This was deep. Shout it out For the Lord our God Almighty reigns He is with us He is with us now For the Lord our God Almighty reigns Sing all you people The Lord Almighty reigns Sing every creature of God Come bless His name For he is good, for he is good, he was born to conquer the grave, light of the world, the reason for Christmas, sing all you people, the Lord Almighty. the grave.
2: Good morning, my name is Mark Klebsig and uh, I just want to welcome you here. Those of you uh, enjoying a chilly morning with me in the courtyard and uh, those joining from Zoom as well, uh, we just welcome you. If you're a guest today in the courtyard today, we have a book for you over on the resource table. It's called The Case for Christmas. So we change it up a little bit, got a Christmas book. Uh, Feel free to grab one of those for yourself or family or friends. Uh, we just, that's our special gift for you. Um, and if you can find the listening guide and the connection card at civalhambra.com slash Sunday. Um, if you are wanting to support the church, um, you can continue to give online or drop that in one of the buckets that's been distributed around the courtyard. Uh, also in the bucket, if you can drop uh, any recycling from the program or the pens afterwards, uh, we'd really appreciate that. Okay, we'd love for everybody here to fill out a connection card. Just That's our way of knowing what's going on with you. Uh, you can let us know prayer requests, and the staff will pray for you uh, during the week. Uh, and for our guests, we'd really love to know uh, how you found out about us. So there's, there's boxes on there for first-time guests, second-time guests, out-of-town guests. Uh, and then how did you hear about church in the Valley? That just helps us to use our resources well so that we can continue to reach out to the community. So thank you very much. Okay, so coming up, we have a parent-child dedication on December 19th. Um, That's a special time when the parents uh, dedicate themselves to raise the children uh, according to the scriptures. We had an overview, and if you missed that overview but you're still interested, just let us know in the communication card and we'll get that information to you. And those of you that uh, are on child number two through however many (laughs) you've been through the overview before Um, just let us know on the connection card that you'd like to take part in that um, and we'll plan for that accordingly we have a christmas offering every year we uh, have an opportunity to give above and beyond Uh, our church is just very generous and um but, but above and beyond the normal ties and offerings, uh, we give to several ministries. So this year, we're going to give approximately 50% to local uh, or uh, national U.S. ministries and 50% to uh, those that help gl- spread the word globally and minister across the world. Um, this year, also, uh, our sister church, Church in the Valley, um, or Ontario Ranch, has been able to lease a building. So they were doing like we do, setting up every morning on Sundays, tearing down in the afternoon for about 30 years. And now they've been able to lease a building. Um, And so we want to support that as well. So we set a goal for $20,000 for the offering. And any amount that... that that you guys give up to that or even beyond that Uh, out of our savings we're in a financial position where we're going to match that that gift and give that to church in the valley ontario ranch to be able to support the construction so they're leasing the building but there's an awful lot of work that has to be done and some uh, quite costly construction so we want to support them for those of you that don't know that was the church that launched us as a separate campus and then we became our own independent church a few years ago so we really want to support them those gifts can be given from now through uh, January 31st. All right, I want to let you know about the things that are happening in the next few weeks. So next week is Church Around the Table on the, on the December 12th, and breakfast will be served. So we're going to be able to share a meal together. Uh, we won't have a normal message, but we will be um, gathering in tables, having breakfast together. There will be some guided questions so we could get to know one another. And um, also, the kids have been preparing some music, and they're going to be singing some songs for us, so that's always really fun. Then the following week, on the 19th, we're going to have coffee, cocoa, and carols in the courtyard. If you're like me, you stop listening after coffee and say, oh, yes. Uh, But I like carols as well, and cocoa's not bad. So we'll be having a special uh, Christmas service. Also, the kids will be with us in that uh, service as well, so it'll be another fun time together. And then we have uh, the next week, the December 26th, we'll be having a week off. So that's our Christmas gift to you. Um, So enjoy the time with your family, uh, your friends, uh, and we'll be having a week away. And we'll be joining us again on January 2nd. So continue worshiping with us, and then John Taylor will come and bring the message. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Mark. Would you guys stand with us as we continue to sing? Uh, Christmas is really special because we sing about God's goodness and his love and his greatness all the time. But Christmas is that time we really get to sing of God's nearness, and his imminence to us. And these next couple of songs are just um, about God with us, Emmanuel.
1: starlit night a king is born in Bethlehem our journey long we seek the light that leads to the hallowed manger ground what fear we felt in the silent age 400 years can he be found but broken by a baby's cry? Rejoice in the hallowed manger ground. Sing Emmanuel. Emmanuel.
3: It's so strange. merit raise us to Thy glorious throne. By Thy all-sufficient merit, raise us to Thy glorious throne. Dear God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for the season and remembering that you're the reason why we're celebrating. You're the reason that we have hope. I thank you, Lord. Um, that we remember that and prepare our hearts as we listen to your word today. I thank you and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone can take their seats.
4: Good morning all, and uh, always a pleasure to worship the Lord together and to be together in fellowship. We're grateful to God for his presence among us by the Spirit. As we gather together, something wonderful happens as people of God come together and worship him and gather in love, faith, hope and trust. And uh, especially excited to be preparing for Christmas as we, as we look at the Bible today, and thinking about what's going on in in the, in the Bible, and how does it inform us about Christmas? We're going to talk about Mary's Christmas. So Mary's Christmas to you all, and it's uh, Luke chapter one, verse twenty six to fifty five is our text. And it's all about Mary and what the Lord spoke to her and how she responded. But, of course, we've got to set the context. And in the first part of Luke chapter 1, it, it's the story of the announcement of the birth of John, who, who becomes John the Baptist, and uh, his parents, rather elderly parents who have never been able to have children, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and uh they are visited by an angel Gabriel, or he is a so Zechariah, and who announces that the that his wife, even though she's barren and even though they're both too old now to have children anyway that they are both they're going to have a, a baby and he's going to be an really important prophet and he's going to uh, go before the lord and uh, and he's going to be turning Israel to the Lord and He's going to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so Elizabeth gets pregnant and uh, she is in sort of confinement and, and of her pregnancy and for five months and celebrating because she's having a baby and the Lord has blessed her. Well, we're going to pick up then the uh, the story in verse 26. And I'll, I'll just start by reading the first verses of this for 26 to 29 and this is where Mary meets an angel or and I suppose that's a pretty important arrival in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favored one the Lord is with you she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So six months here—the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy—and and, uh, that's kind of important. That we, as we go through the story, Elizabeth and Mary are actually cousins, and so they're going to. As we go through this morning, they're going to meet uh, these two pregnant ladies, or they both uh, by that time they'll be both pregnant ladies. And you'll notice in, in this short beginning to the passage, as the angel Gabriel is sent from God, uh, how important, look at these few verses. The names are important. The angel is given a name, not just an angel, but it's Gabriel. And and what do we know about Gabriel? Well, he already has appeared in Luke chapter 1, in verse 19. He's the angel who comes to Zechariah, the priest, and and tells him that he's going to have a baby, uh, and who's going to be named John. And... Gabriel also turns up in the Old Testament. So in the book of Daniel, he turns up in chapter 8 and chapter 9 explaining to Daniel uh, the meaning of the visions that Daniel has been given from the Lord and uh, encouraging him and giving him understanding. And that seems to be Gabriel's role. He's, He's sent from God. He gives revelation and wisdom and understanding. And he seems to be, you know, uh, like he's a heavy hitter amongst the angels. That's for sure, uh, an important guy. And he's, and according to, you know, what we see here, he's angel Gabriel sent from God. And what's the next? And then we get we sent from God to a. So that's important. That name, God, of course. <laughs> and then we go. To, to a city of Galilee, and Galilee is the northern province of Israel at this point. Israel is basically Judea and Galilee, these two provinces, uh, and in between is Samaria, where the Samaritans live. Uh, but so he said to Galilee, and to a city, a city might be a bit too grand. Uh, this is a village uh, named Nazareth. And... This becomes important later as Jesus becomes known as Jesus of Nazareth. And he's sent to a virgin, uh, we discover, uh, who is betrothed. I mean, it's kind of like engaged, uh, except that in their culture, it was even more commitment involved in betrothal than what would be in 21st century engagement. So basically, uh, you know, you were absolutely committed. You just hadn't actually got married yet. Uh, with their engagement, and the word here for virgin uh, in the Greek "parthenos" it it's, uh, means a young married, young unmarried woman, but it, it implied, you know, that it's a virgin. And it's mentioned twice in this uh, in this one verse, verse twenty-seven. She's to, to virgin, and the name of the virgin was Mary, right? So it mentioned twice. But, but before we get to Mary. Now she's betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Lots of names going on in these few verses, and that—that's you know, his name, and of the house of David. Or, and so uh, that's important: that Joseph is descended from King David, uh, the, the you know the uh, second king of Israel after Saul, and uh, and David is an, a tremendously important figure in the Bible and in Israel's history. And, of course, there's been many many prophecies in the Old Testament, a number of prophecies, uh, about a Messiah, a king, who's going to bring restoration, bring uh, God's kingdom to Israel and the world, and he's going to be a descendant of David. And so there's Joseph. He's from the house of David. That's important. And then we get the name of Mary. The virgin's name was Mary. And that's the last name mentioned in this list in verse 26 and 27. And that 's she 's now going to be the focused she 's now going to be the focus, and the angel speaks to her Gabriel speaks to her and uh, and says, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. That sounds like a pretty good greeting to me i don 't you know at first glance right and so it 's a little curious as to why she 's so troubled by this greeting by the greeting in particular, especially the first word of the greeting in the Greek here, hi there, it's just a typical hello, greetings, uh, you know, that sort of thing, there's nothing remarkable about that, it's what they always, what people say to each other, and then he says, you know, favored one, the one who's been given grace, we can say that, uh, and that's quite encouraging, and says, the Lord is with you, and she's troubled by this, and I suppose you'd be surprised if an angel rocked into your room, and, and, uh, and suddenly greeted you, and, 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 you know, the Lord's with you, you might wonder what this means, and particularly if you know your Bible, uh, because uh, there's only one other place in the Bible where an angel appears to someone and says, the Lord is with you. And that is back in Judges 6 and verse 12, where the angel of the Lord comes to a man called Gideon, who's a really insignificant man, and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And he's about to send him in with 300 men to fight a massive battle uh, against overwhelming odds uh, against the Midianites. And so when the angel turns up in your room and says, the Lord is with you, you know something's coming. This means it's more than just saying, hi, my name's Gabe, pleased to meet you. That's more than that. It is, there's a commission coming, and Mary certainly would know her Bible to this extent, she'd know that, and this is in the background going on as kind of an illusion here. This is potentially a troubling visit from an angel, but a good one. And of course, so what we have in this first part of the text is clearly a big build-up, right? Something important is coming, something is coming this is a big build-up to a speech that we have we have yet to get the commission this is just the greetings but have you ever noticed that when people want to say something important they build up to it right they, they kind of warm up like if someone wants to tell you off i've had this before someone who wants to tell me off the first thing they're going to say is something nice right you know john really really like you you're a good man you know and all this and you think okay come on tell me now What's coming up? They're building up to something they really want to say. I, I was actually surprised one time when a friend, a friend and uh, one of my ment- spiritual mentors and leaders came to see John. Can I ha- can I talk to you for five minutes? Take me aside, and I'm thinking, okay, what's what's he going to tell me off for? Because he actually had done that before, taken me aside and and told me off when I needed it, and uh, and so so I thought this time, you know, he's, he's he just said, John, yeah, I want just, you know, just want you to know that I really you know, appreciate you and everybody's telling telling all this stuff, and I'm thinking, okay, when's, when's, when's the, the, the big, this is a build up, when's the real message? And then he says, that's it, that's all I want to tell you, all that encouragement. And that's what he did, just took me aside to encourage me. And I was quite surprised, because normally this kind of build up is to build up to something important, whether it's a rebuke, whether it's a commission, whether it's a new idea, something's at a command, right? Uh, General Patton, before D-Day, uh, you know, he gives this big speech to the American soldiers, and he says, you are here because you're real men, and all real men like to fight. You know, he said a lot more, but I can't, I can't say it in public. Uh, but that's the way you do, and, and so listen, God has sent his A-team. He sent the angel Gabriel to announce something earth-shattering and incredible and wonderful and it's just right that there should be this kind of build-up to it so what is the important announcement that's what we're going to read next so verse 30 to 33 the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name jesus he will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high and the lord god will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. There's it. That's it. That's the announcement. That's the big thing that was building up to. That's incredible. Uh, some Traditionally we call this in Christian circles the annunciation, right? It's what's the announcement that's given to Mary. And the first thing the angel says in verse 30 is, well, don't be afraid. By the way, that's what angels usually say when they turn up in your house, Uh, and there's a good reason, right? If an angel turns up in your house, you might be freaked out. So quite often, uh, when there's come some sort of supernatural vision, revelation, or an angelic visit in in the Bible, happened to Hagar in Genesis 21, the angel of the Lord spoke to her and says, fear not. It happened in Luke chapter one, as Gabriel, same angel as this one, turns up to Zechariah as he's Offering incense as a priest to God in the temple, and uh, here's this angel standing by the altar of incense there in the holy place, and Zechariah is very uh, troubled and f- he's very afraid. The angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zechariah." It happens in chapter two when the uh, the, the shepherds, you know, the uh, uh, the angel appears to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shines shines around them, and the angel said to them. As with, our very afraid, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So he, sends, he turns up and he says, don't be afraid, Mary, you've found favor with God. And, and you know, nothing in the text so far suggests that Mary is particularly special in some way, that she is you know, the holiest of holy people and so she has kind of merited this favor or this uh, blessing. Nothing suggests that so far. I mean, she turns out to be a really spiritual woman, but it's not. I don't think the, the way that, that it's put in the text, suggesting that somehow she was already has a halo around her or something like that. that already, she is uh, super holy. She's she's a a person that God has favoured her. He's given her grace, uh, and this is all the Lord's blessing. And he says to her, behold, or look. Uh, in, our te- in, in our text, we say, behold, a Greek here, ido. it just means, hey, pay attention. There's something important I'm going to tell you. And you're going to have a son. You're going to conceive in your womb, bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So far, so good. Mary is not yet married, so she's going to, to ask about that in a minute. But she's going to have a son, and he's going to call his name Jesus. Uh, This is the name Jesus, of course. Uh, If 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 the angel was originally speaking Hebrew to her, then it would be Yeshua that he would that would be his name. If he's speaking Greek to her, which of course our Bible is New Testament is written in Greek, but if it's speaking Greek, Greek it would be Jesus. We say Jesus. It's the same name. Uh, as, uh, as in, the Greek, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the same Jesus that would be the name of Joshua, right? So he's basically saying, you're going to bear a son, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to bear a son, you're going to call him Josh. Is what Gabe is saying to Mary, right? And uh, you're going to call him Jesus. By the way, first mention of the name of Jesus in the book of Luke. And the interesting thing about Joshua, and and, and, you know, in Matthew's gospel, we discover that he's called Jesus because that means salvation, and so he's going to save his people from their sins. But doesn't say that in Luke. Uh, And maybe in the background here is Joshua, you know, who's the, the one, the leader of Israel, who took them into the promised land. In, and then the angel explains a lot more, and this is incredible about this mission of jesus christmas is all about jesus and the annunciation of mary is all about jesus and the son she's going to have and the first thing it says he's going to be great it's the greatness of jesus and then then it says he's going to be called son of the most high and that's a rather interesting expression because the name the most high as a name for god Is one that's found frequently in the Old Testament and much of the time it's a name for God that is relevant not just to Israel but to the nations. The first use of this name is in Genesis 14 when uh, a character called Melchizedek appears and he is the king of Salem which is Jerusalem and he's a priest of the Most High God in the hebrew of the old testament el elion and and in the greek uh hupsistos Hupsistos, right he's the priest of the god most high the second use of, of 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 most high for god is in numbers 24 when a gentile prophet by the name of balaam is a prophet of the most high and he hears the voice of god and prophesies over israel and there are a number of other texts like this. But the use of this expression, Son of the Most High, is, a, is an early suggestion, or an early hint, I should say, in the Gospel of Luke, that this Messiah, this Jesus who's coming, is not just coming for Israel, but he, this is coming for the nations. He's coming for the world. And, you know, at this time in the first century, there are actually... God Most High. Clubs and religions, you know, or and associations, in a number of Gentile cities. There are there are Gentiles in a few places. Not, it's not hugely common, but there are little groups of people around the Eastern Roman Empire. St- Gentiles starting to meet and to worship God Most High, uh, and uh, some of them would have had contact with Jews and so on. So they would have some understanding of of the bible but some of them just started to worship the god most high and it's a real interesting thing that that's who jesus is son of the most high this of course is when he's going to be the son of the most high this is a reference to the incarnation but we're going to talk more about that in a minute now he's also going to be not only son of the most high but he's going to have the throne of his father david he's going to have a throne the people who have thrones are who Kings, right? He's going to be king of, after David, he's going to be king of, the ha- of, of Israel, of the people of Jacob. And he's going to be king of a restored Israel. Now, as it turns out in Luke, right, that kingdom is established not through simply through the coming of Jesus, but through his death and resurrection. And, and so there's a lot more to the story, But this is the beginning of it. And of course, David is associated with the city of Bethlehem because that's where he's from. And uh, there's Old Testament prophecies in Micah that the the, the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem in the line of David. And so there's this Davidic connection. And according to the angel Gabriel, right, This kingdom he's he's going to have is going to be forever. He's going to have the throne of his father, David, Jesus says, and he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We haven't got time this morning, but if we were to look at a number of the prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah, there's two things you know about his reign as king. One is he reigns forever, and, and the second... He reigns over Israel and the nations of the world. And so there's this idea of an eternal reign, for example, in 2 Samuel 7:13, which is a, a, a kind of messianic prophecy there, uh, "I will restore his throne forever," or in Daniel 714, uh, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away in his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." Now this is by contrast. To the, king, to the kingdoms of the earth which all rise and fall, which all eventually come tumbling down, which all come under the judgment of God. But of Jesus' kingdom, of the Son of God's kingdom, there will be no end. So this is Mary's Christmas. She's found favor with God to have a baby, the Son of the Most High. He's going to be Messiah and King. And in this passage, Mary's given favor and blessing, but she stands not simply as a a person who is blessed, but stands as a sign of God's grace to Israel and to the world. Because, and I'm going to explain this a bit more later, Mary's story in some sense becomes Israel's story and is also the world's story and our story. Well, in Verses 34 to 37, we get an important explanation as Mary's kind of wondering what this is all about. Mary said to the angel in verse 34, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, That's a good question, by the way, right? Very good question. So, uh, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary says, how is this going to happen since I am a virgin? Actually, the literal Greek here would be, I have not known a man, right? different from the way she put it, way it was put earlier but look this is a difficulty a bit of a good question how's this <laughs> going to happen when she's not married now she's betrothed but it's really not the same thing as marriage and so uh the answer is pretty clear the holy spirit is going to come upon you now there's no to say the holy spirit's come upon you there's no sort of sexual content to that statement it's, i mean this is what luke the same author t- Talks about the coming of the Spirit upon all Christian in you know, all believers in Christ in Acts chapter one, will you be my witness after the Holy Spirit has come upon you? Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the end of the earth. So it's just a kind of standard phrase. Uh, Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so, there's a, perhaps a similar passage there back in Exodus 40, where. The glory of God fills the or the cloud of the glory of God fills the temple and shadows the temple. It's got to do with the, the coming of God's power and presence in these two kind of parallel statements, poetically put. And so that's going to happen. It's the Holy Spirit is going to do it, is basically what she's told. And God's going to make it happen. And that's that's why this child will be holy and he'll be the son of God of god that's why and you know this reminds us of 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 isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 which says this a prophecy again therefore the lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel which means god with us and so that's a old testament prophecy that's coming to pass in and through the the conception and the birth of Jesus, and then what the angel does, as he said, it gives Mary a confirmation as it, of, of that this is really truth by telling her, "Look, your cousin Elizabeth, who's not been able to have children, is 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 in the sixth month of her of her pregnancy with her, who's called barren," and so this is for. Mary an example of what can do, of what God can do you know and it's a sign of what God is going to do for her and that's why the, the angel says and nothing's impossible with God you know this is so true i uh, with with babies God can do anything right and and you know we had i remember uh, there was a young couple came to us and they'd been trying for a baby for about 10 years and uh, just tried everything, you know, all the m- usual medical treatments, everything they had and nothing. And they finally decided to pray about it. You know, I'm sure there was prayers going up, but they finally decided to come to someone. and Heidi and I prayed for this couple. And, you know, I can't tell you how much joy I saw on their faces a few months later when they got pregnant and or was it short? Actually, it was less than that. It was shortly after they got pregnant. And you know, a baby duly appeared. But that's the kind of miracle that uh, that Zechariah Elizabeth had. This is one step up from that, because this is a miracle without even you know uh, a husband there, and uh, just incredible thing. Nothing is impossible with God. There are so many people who have trouble believing and you know accepting the virgin birth of Jesus. And it's really their concept of God. They don't really believe that nothing's impossible with God. They don't believe in that power. We remember we looked at Jeremiah last week, and, we t- and again that same idea was in the passage in Jeremiah that we looked at. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Is, that, is your God big enough? Can you? Is that something you can comprehend? It may be not comprehend, but you've got to accept it if you're going to say God is infinite. If He's all powerful, He's almighty. He who is mighty has done great things, as Mary says a little bit later down in the passage. So Mary responds with an important response in verse 38. And Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So this is Mary's accepting response. She says, I am the servant, or literally here, the slave of the Lord, a bondservant. This is the willingness and the acceptance of the w- uh, of Mary. She responds and confirms and accepts the will of God for her. And uh, and so that's an important response, as we're going to see in a minute. At this point, uh, we move on to verses thirty-nine to th- forty-five, and Mary. Uh, th- in this section, we'll call it Mary greets her cousin, Mary greets her cousin. And Mary, basically, and we'll just read it from verse 39 to 41 to begin with. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, between Thanksgiving and christmas we 're in the season for family reunions, and uh, this is a family reunion that's going on here between two cousins i don 't know about your family reunions, perhaps you're one of those families that that you all get together you dress dress up in the same hideous pajamas and uh, and take photos which will inevitably make their way onto the internet uh, it, you know i have uh, I have Fond memories of Christmas family reunions uh, growing up. We had some rather odd cousins. Uh, and, uh, you know, probably when I look, but probably when, when they were thinking the same about us, honestly. From their point of view, maybe we were the odd ones in the family. You've got to remember that, right? If you've got some weird cousins and relatives, probably they're thinking the same about you. You're the, weird, you're the odd ones out. So I, my, my uncle, I, he was a wonderful Christian man, but a little, uh, a little interesting. And he, you know, one of these eccentric types. And uh, he, he had, we had this Christmas party where he had been uh, recently on his, uh, a big tr- business trip to Europe from Australia. And he'd taken lots of photos. And this, this was in the days of, of uh, photo slides, uh, where you take uh, photographic slides and you put them in a slide projector and show them one after the other to on a screen to people you wanted to show your photos to. And uh, so we turned up for this uh, family reunion Christmas gathering uh, with, with my uncle and uh, he had his whole living room rearranged so that all the sofas and the chairs were all in rows like this, like, like you're sitting now facing the front and the big screen at the front. And so we all sat in a seat with like, you know, in, a, in an airplane with another seat in front of you. And we're watching this big screen and so he would show us another box of slides, and, and in between, we'd be we served our dinner, uh, the next course of the dinner. That was, and the, the curious thing about this slideshow was that, you know, because it was a business trip, and he was very excited, he'd been to Europe all over, and but because it was basically a business trip, all his pictures were pictures of factories and, uh, or hotels, or out of the of airports, and other businessmen that he'd met at, in, in their offices. So that, that, was, that was the big slideshow. So maybe you have those kind of family reunions. But this, this is a reunion between two pregnant cousins. And I wonder what that baby shower would have been like, right? Uh, well, we're gonna find out. But, uh, you know, they got a lot to talk about, right? So Mary goes south from Galilee, from Nazareth, goes down south into Judea or to Judah in the hill country there to where her cousin is living. And why did she do this? It says she, you know, uh, she went in haste to this hill country because what? The angel had told her, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant, you know, uh, this is a, from the Lord, and uh, she's looking for confirmation. She's looking for Confirmation and she rushes down there and now a bit, a bit later, in verse 56, which we're not gonna r- get to this morning, but she stays there three months, uh, basically until the time of Elizabeth's uh, birth for, of, of the baby John. So, and all of this is before Mary's m- marriage to Joseph. So this is an incredible family reunion. These two cousins get together, both pregnant, and as they get together, and Mary greets Elizabeth, then Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb, and she is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is incredible family reunion. How would you like that to happen in your family, right? So, uh, they, you know, you have that family reunion, you say day, and suddenly people are being filled with the Spirit, babies are leaping in the wombs, people start prophesying. That's what happens here in this family reunion. And it, didn't, and it didn't make it onto the internet, but it did get published in a book. So, you know, in chapter 1 and verse 15, we discover uh, John, uh, Zechariah is told that his son John who's going to be born will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb in verse 15. This might be the moment when that happens. Uh, when Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and John is leaping there and inside of, of Elizabeth. You know, uh, those children in the womb can respond to the Lord in all sorts of interesting ways. I remember doing outreach in a, in, a, in a city place and a, a couple of us were wandering along trying to witness to people and uh, there was a very seedy cinema that showed, uh, you know, X-rated movies and, uh, but there was a, we, we, as we walked by we saw a woman in there, a pregnant woman and she was manning the, the desk she was running the desk and uh, she just looked so forlorn in this horrible place. So we went in and talked to her about the Lord and she, we asked, and she asked us to pray for her and to pray for her baby uh, and, uh, because she, and, and as we started to pray for her the just baby, she said, he's, starting to, he's moving, he's leaping, he's jumping. you know This baby was really going for it as we were praying for her. And it was an interesting thing. I had a friend of mine who went to Africa, to Ghana for a mission there and uh, they brought a woman to him uh, and, and she asked for prayer. She's v- quite pregnant and very, very pregnant, but she says she had great sorrow because uh, the, there was something wrong, had gone wrong in the pregnancy. She'd been to the doctor and, and they'd examined her and they told her, look, we're very sorry, but your baby has died in the womb. Now it was so late in the pregnancy, she's gonna have to, she's gonna have to carry this baby to birth and give birth to a dead child. So my friend pr- started praying for her. And as he prayed for her, that baby starts kicking. Uh, this baby that was dead is now alive and is going to start kicking. So this is an incredible family reunion. Not only is Elizabeth's miracle confirmed in Mer- to Mary, but there's an outpouring of the Spirit to further confirm for Mary what she's been promised by the Lord And that's what happens in Elizabeth's welcome speech. She makes a speech uh, to this welcome visitor, verses 42 to 45. Let's read it. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is Lizzie's welcome speech to Mary. Uh, A prophecy, right? And she knows Mary is pregnant uh, uh, by the Lord telling her this, and, and, and she knows it's with the Lord. She says to her, blessed are you among women. Mary's blessed among women. Now, you know, she's obviously, it's a very special blessing for Mary, but interesting phraseology here, among women. It's not just that Mary's specially chosen. Of course, she is chosen. But she is one of many, right? And in a sense, this is a blessing not simply relation to, to Mary, but as a woman, she's blessed. And I think it's quite interesting. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. In other words, you're favored by God in this, and 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 so is your, your son. He's favored as well. And so she says, why? Or... Is this given to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She calls Mary the mother of my Lord. This is God's prophetic revelation through the Spirit to Elizabeth that the child in Mary's womb is Elizabeth's Lord, is Elizabeth's Lord. This is Jesus the Lord. You know, early Christians in the first few centuries had to really think through very hard who Jesus is. What does the Bible say about him? What does it mean? And they they realize that the, the Bible says incredible things about Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's uh, he, according to John chapter one, He's God. He's He's God in the flesh, and, and so on. So they, they had to think, and, and so they had to think. Then, what's Mary's role in this? And and so there was a, a debate at one point about whether Mary could be given the title Theotokos in, in Greek, Theotokos, which meant God-bearer. God-bearer. Now, some people were reluctant to give Mary that title because in their mind, it, kind of, her, it made Mary kind of uh, even above Jesus, some sense. But that's not what they actually meant by that title. It, it really was a way of saying that the Son of God, the baby in her, was God. It was divine. Uh, and so that was a way of affirming the deity of Christ rather than saying that Mary is somehow divine in herself, which obviously she's not. And uh, and so it, this is Elizabeth's Lord in Mary's womb. And so she then says a blessing to Mary. Blessed is she who believed. You know, back in chapter one, when Zechariah was visited by Gabriel the angel and told g- he's going to have a son, Zechariah did not believe. Mary, by contrast, is visited and she believes. And that's why she's blessed, according to Elizabeth. Uh, interesting, in, jo- in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, these two stories of John and Jesus are alternated. The announcements of each, the birth of each, the growing up of each, they, they're all basically alternated and they paralleled along the way. And the whole point of that is to say, not that John is, but it's, it's always Jesus it comes out better in these, in these comparisons, right? But it's not that John is, Nothing and Jesus is everything is John is great but Jesus is so much greater and so that's why this is done well the last part of our text is Mary's reply speech to the speech of welcome that she's given from from Elizabeth in this family reunion and this is when Mary celebrates and we'll read verse 47 to 49 Mary said My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he's looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Mary replies with praise and rejoicing. uh, Sometimes this is called in Christian circles from the Latin it's called magnificat. It's where she's magnifying the Lord Mary's faith has been confirmed because she rushes down to Judea and discovers that, yes, just as the angel said, her, her cousin is pregnant. And not only that, but Elizabeth's prophecy to her confirms even more that the baby is special, that he's the Lord. Uh, And the promises are confirmed to her. So she starts to praise the Lord. She's going to magnify the Lord and rejoice in the Lord, in God. And she's humble before the Lord, but she celebrates that he's blessed her. And her story will be told as all generations will count her happy and blessed. And indeed she is. She says, He who is mighty has done great things for me and his name is holy. Her Focus is not here so much on herself, but showering praise and blessings on the Lord and giving Him glory. In verses 50 to 55, then we move from blessing for Mary now to blessing for all. Or you'll notice that her prayer shifts gear. or praises shifts gear here. It's not just a thank you God for what you've done for me. This is now broadened to include others. Verse 50 to 55, we'll read it. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the wretch he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to her fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. You know, whenever God blesses us, it's because of his love for us, but it's not just for us. It's to pass on. It's, it's, to, do, it's to bless us, to make us a blessing. And Mary is celebrating in the first part of her prayer she, how God has blessed her. And now she's going to celebrate how it's not, it's not just for her. This, this the coming of Jesus is for all, right? His love for us all. She understands that God's mercy is for all those who fear the Lord in each generation. And you'll notice that she anticipates a long messianic kingdom, right? Long-term messianic kingdom. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She's already just said, all generations will call me blessed. Uh, and uh, this, and already ha- we had in the passage, uh, you know, the talk about Jesus' eternal kingdom or everlasting kingdom of his, on, you know, his father David's throne. This is anticipating uh, a reign and a blessing that goes for, goes and goes forever. In this passage, we see something that's really crucial uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Theologians call this uh, the divine reversal. You'll notice in verses 51 to 53, this sort of reordering of the world that comes with the, with the coming of Jesus, right? He scattered the proud, uh, in the imagination of their hearts. He has shown strength with his arm. He's put down the mighty from their thrones, you know, rulers, and exalted the humble, filled the hungry, and sent the rich away empty. This is the reversal of the way things are. This is God turning the world right side up through Jesus. The world is twisted and out of priority and out of line with what it should be it's reversing the polarity of the world through Jesus the Son of God and we see in the whole gospel of Luke if you, if you go reading through Luke that this is a tremendous concern in this gospel for the lowly the humble the poor and the powerless this faith that starts with the coming of Jesus is no elitist religion it's it began among the poor and with a poor Jewish woman and family in Nazareth. And this is the divine reversal. Everything gets reordered, you know, and, and, and so this is a wonderful, wonderful, good news. In Jesus, God is fulfilling his promises of mercy, especially here to Israel. So let's conclude Mary's Christmas story. This is a story for her of grace of blessing of miracles of favor she's told that nothing is impossible with god that's why she can have a virgin birth the incarnation of the son of god that god becomes flesh and dwells among us this is an incredible thing and mary becomes a mother of the lord what's her response humility and faith and submission to the lord but mary's christmas story is also Israel's Christmas story, because Jesus comes as Israel's King and Messiah and Savior and Lord and hope. And Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel. But Mary's Christmas story is also the world's Christmas story, because Jesus is the Son of the Most High it's god become a man god has looked on the world with grace and mercy enacted to save the world to turn it right side up to lift up the lowly and the downtrodden through jesus and we see in chapter 2 that kind of language you know of the good news of great joy that will be for all the people and that's in verse 9 and then in verse 14 of chapter 2 glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased This is the world's Christmas story, not just Mary's. But Mary's Christmas story is also our Christmas story. Just as she responded in humility, faith, submission, and rejoicing and praise to the good news she received. So let us receive and celebrate Jesus, the Lord, the Son of God our Saviour, and our hope. Amen.
0: Thank you John as as John just mentioned we're going to take some time to respond um, and whether you're responding by filling out your connection card and letting us know how you guys are doing or if there's something you need to talk to God about or talk to others about um, or just even just worshipping in song um, we invite you to respond at this point as we hail the arrival of our King.
1: It's heavy. started, knows no end, became confined in time and time. Oh Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive a King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, we will sing, sing, sing. Joy to the world, joy to the world. Shut shine
0: around the table for cats.